Do you want to build your brand by being a guest on industry-leading podcasts? If you own a business, my guess is you do. So picture this. You, a dynamic executive, effortlessly connecting with engaged audiences, turbocharging your top-of-funnel marketing, and creating a treasure trove of content with every episode. Podcasting is the game changer you've been waiting for, and PodcastAlly.com is your VIP ticket to podcast PR success. Say goodbye to the ordinary and hello to the extraordinary exposure. Head over to PodcastAlly.com now and let them know that Pretty OK sent you. Your brand deserves to shine, and they're ready to make it happen. Welker. And I am Taylor Holman. And we're here for our second episode as a newly formed podcast team. Yes, new podcast lives. <laughs> yes, oh, I like that. <laughs> um, but I am really excited that you guys are still so excited about Taylor joining the podcast. And I hope that today's episode, which is also going to be part of a series, will be super valuable and informative. And I think it's going to also be just kind of a bitchin' way for us to intro our unit of skills, if that's yes. the way to say it. <laughs> how the how the podcast wives are going to marry their skill yes, sets. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's go deep into this metaphor. Yes. Um, so we initially started out with this idea for the episode of, so you have an idea for a business, what's next? And then Taylor, in her type A, my favorite type of personality, put out this outline and we realized, oh shit, this is a whole series. It's not just one episode. And it's something too, like whenever I put up uh, Instagram story questions or like a Google form for questions, people always ask like, what do I need to start a business from scratch? Like business 101. So even if you already have a business um, and you're already in the thick of it, no matter how many years, like I think you'll still get a lot of valuable information from the series. Yeah, I mean, there are some things that if you were to live in a perfect world, <laughs> you would do in a linear fashion. Yes. But we, none of us, li- I don't live in a perfect world. No. <laughs> Maybe some of you do. Yeah. And uh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's good, on ya. good on you. Good on you. But because most of us don't operate in this closed system, even if you are a year or two or many more than that down the line, you can still take some of these quote-unquote, first steps yeah, and go back and revisit them. And right. they still provide an extreme amount of value to you. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's very likely, and I know this is something I've come across a lot and you probably have come across a lot too, but is people who are in the middle of it and think they know what to do <laughs> and think they have their systems or have their, you know, their plan and something happens, growth, you know, there's scalability. Some shit kind of hits the fan and they're like, um... What do I do? So we're going to start kind of at the beginning of when you have an idea for a business. And then we're going to go through in this series, we're going to go through quite a few things. We're going to go through the first steps, um, market research. So those are the two big things we're going to cover in today's episode. And then um, next we'll move on to writing a business plan, 
setting up an infrastructure, your product and production schedule if you're going to do a product-based business, and then uh, strategy and distribution, customer service and admin, and business planning. So consider this your fully comprehensive guide to starting a business and doing it right. Yay! (laughs) And what I want kind of everybody to think about in this is when you start your business, and I've seen this a lot in past consulting clients, like, you know, they're like, oh, I think I'm going to kind of transition this side project into a business. And I hate that mindset of like, I'm going to just kind of try this out. You have to start your business like with the assumption that it's going to be a huge success, right? And having it start out with too small of a mindset gets you kind of stuck in not being able to grow. Because I've seen that too, where people start their business and then, holy shit, it's a success. (laughs) And it's so much harder to implement all of the important kind of foundation things later after the growth has already started. Yeah, because if you start with that small mindset, you're going to put strategies and tools that are the best fit for a small business or a tiny business. And if you are successful, you will outgrow those things very quickly. Totally. And that's the goal, right? As we want our businesses to grow (laughs) and be successful. Um, Even if you don't, like I know with Glitter Guide, we talk a lot. We're like, we don't want to be a huge company. We like being small, but that doesn't mean we don't want to grow. You can grow while still maintaining that small business vibe. Um, But we just want to kind of put this out there that having that mindset is going to keep you prepared for the growth when it comes. So you ready to dive on in? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So we're going to start with the very first steps, right? So this is like when you're hanging out with your friend getting coffee or something and you're like, you know what? I have this idea. (laughs) So I have this idea. Those are the exact words that I said Uh. to Cassie and Jen when I first (laughs) had the idea for source. I was like, so guys, I have this idea. Yeah. And then it literally starts starts there. Yes. It literally starts there. Yeah. So, and I think that that's how, that's how it starts for a lot of people. I think it even started that way for me when I did consulting, when I I said to my husband, I was like, so I don't think I'm going to go back to the corporate world. I think I'm going to just teach it myself, like (laughs) be a consultant. (laughs) Your friends probably reacted better than my husband reacted. (laughs) Because he's like, wait, what? You're going to give up the consistent <laughs> wait, paycheck what? for self-employed life? <laughs> yes. Their their looks were confused because they they assumed that what I was talking about already existed. Mm. Oh, yes. Well, we'll get to that. Yes. Um. So the first thing that you have to do before you take that official step to launch a business is you have to do some kind of self-evaluation. Because, and I think I've talked about this in other episodes There are people who are meant to own a business and run a business, and there are people who aren't. And that's fine. We need both in the world. We can't just have everybody running their own business. Like, that's like economics 101. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to do an internal self-evaluation and kind of ask yourself, like, okay, what skills do I have? Where do my passions and my interests lie? Where's my area of expertise? Like, what are you the best at? Um, and I think that's something too, like that we'll definitely dive into, but if you're good at something, that's great. But you also have to have something to offer people 
that isn't necessarily being offered by someone else already, right? Otherwise, you're just copying someone's business. <laughs> and that's lame. That's super lame. We have a whole episode about that. It's called Single White Female. Copycats. Go listen to that one. <laughs> and then something that I think a lot of people don't take in mind when they start a business is how much can you afford to spend? Because 99% of the time starting a business is not free. <laughs> no, and not only is it not free, you should really start a business with the, the assumption that you're not going to get paid mm-hmm. by yep. it for years. Yep. Like it can take you two to five years to grow something to the point where it's not only covering its own expenses, mm-hmm. but allowing you to take owner's draws or yeah. a salary off of it. Yeah. And that's definitely something that people forget when they start a business is like, you're not going to start this business and immediately start paying yourself. <laughs> like it just doesn't work that way. You you can make money obviously as a solo entrepreneur, but there's those growing pains and everything that comes along with all the expenses of starting and running a business. So you, you have to be able to look at how much you can afford to spend knowing that you might very well not make it back if at all. And then looking at, you know, if you need to get capital, find some investors right off the bat or what kind of lifestyle you want to live. Like, do you want to be working and busting your ass 50 hours a week or are you looking for something a little more laid back but not potentially making as much money? There's a lot of things to consider. Is it only 50 hours a week? It's not like 70? Um, Am I doing something wrong? I was doing like an (laughs) average... So you'll just be at the high end of the spectrum, and we should talk about that later. Yeah. I don't know that it's actually 70. I think at one point it was yes. close to that when I was working on the weekends. I'm now mm-hmm. at the point where my weekends are weekends outside of maybe an hour of like hammering through some emails in the yeah. morning. But sorry, guys. Realist in the room. No, I'm I'm with you. I am only at a good work-life balance because Taylor literally forces me to. <laughs> My That's glitter guy, Taylor. Glitter guy She's Taylor. like, get off the fucking computer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when I was working in like my corporate office and stuff, I was there probably close to 70 hours a week too. It's yeah. exhausting. Yeah. And that one, I wasn't even working for myself. <laughs> yeah, that's so lame. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about capital? Yeah. Because I think if anyone is considering starting a business that requires capital, mm-hmm. There's a difference between, sorry guys, I'm getting like, I'm going down the, the tech SaaS. Do it. VC. Head down that tunnel. way. <laughs> if you are doing a round of angel investment, mm-hmm. which basically means that people are just gifting you money. Yes. Because they believe in they, your business. Because they know you're a badass and you're going to yes. do something that's worth it. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Right. If you are seeking outside capital. Mm-hmm then you are likely to have a board who has a significant amount of influence and control over your business. So in this phase of self-evaluation, if you're someone who's looking to start a tech-based company or something that needs significant amounts of capital, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important question to explore and ask yourself. Totally. And I think that that also ties into what sort of lifestyle do you want to live? Because if you have angel investors you know, who are gifting you this money and not looking to have direct access to business decisions and everything that you're doing as you grow, that's different than having a board, which, you know, does give you a a little bit stronger sense of security 
with their the capital that they're providing, but also you you take away a bit of your own control. But both work. Like mm-hmm. one is not necessarily better than the other. It just depends on you, your business. Correct. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I spent so much time, you know, working at a, a startup mm-hmm. where seeking outside funding was mm-hmm. always a big part of the conversation. And totally. so I had this like I felt very conflicted about it because at some point the business got to a point where I was like, well, fuck it. We don't need it. Like we're good. Yeah. But I understand that it's sometimes the injection of cash that a business needs to take it to the next level. Right. So that was just one of the things that I'm thankful that I had the space to have that conversation with myself Mm -hmm. and then it's influenced how I feel moving forward about other businesses. Yeah. Well, and it's good, like just experience to have under your belt so you can help advise people which way to go. Yeah. Don't take the man's money if you don't have to. Yep. That's always my, (laughs) my advice is if you don't have to, don't take it. (laughs) But I do know it can be very beneficial for certain businesses. So you've done your self-evaluation. You've turned inward (laughs) and looked into the deepest, darkest parts of your soul, right? It's kind of what you have to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Really deep, real, real, so deep, uncomfortably deep. Uh huh. Um, and this is just something that, again, people I think start to do later down the line when they get bigger and they start to grow is defining your mission and then also defining your values. So, having your mission just kind of outlined before you even like launch your website, I think is so crucial because. Having the mission and then also having your values, I've talked about this so many times before, it'll help guide every decision that you make because you'll have that backbone and you'll be able to just kind of measure them up next to each other. You Mm -hmm. know, like, well, does this decision go in line with the values that I'm wanting to run the company on? Yes or no. And I think that's just so, so crucial. Um, And a part that a lot of people skip and try to, inject later on yeah and it also too like I'm sure you know has such an effect on your marketing and how you're building the brand of the business to have that at the forefront and um I always refer back to I I talk about this book a lot Simon Sinek's Start With Why have you read that one I have not oh you should it's fabulous I, I really do like tell everybody like if you're gonna read one business book this is probably my suggestion. Um, I think it's just, it's good to know what your why is before launching the business because, you know, you you also have to figure out if your why is focused more on meeting a, a personal need or a marketplace need. And then that'll also kind of help you organize the scope of your business as you grow, because those are two very different wise. And I also love the focus on developing your mission and values very early on because they do set up these guardrails and everything about what you're building is going to be informed by that. So if it doesn't fall within this lane that you've, you know, decided on, then it becomes a little bit, nothing about business is black or white, right? but it becomes less gray when you are trying to make sure that it constantly and always fulfills these goals. Totally. Yeah, and I think, uh, too, people confuse mission and values. And 
that's something that they're they're totally separate, right? Like, yes, they intertwine, obviously, but like your mission, your why, why you're doing something, why you make the choices that you make, and then your values are more individualized pieces that guide you throughout the process. So I always encourage people to write their mission statement like at the beginning before they do anything else. Like, you know why you want to start a business, right? After you've done some self-evaluation. <laughs> and if you don't, you you can't. Don't start a business if you don't know why you want to and what you're offering to people. So sitting down and looking at that, start with why, read the book. Um, there's even, I'll put a link in the show notes. He does a, a TED Talk that kind of summarizes it a bit. And it's just so incredibly helpful to to look at that and it'll answer so many questions later down the line that you don't know you have right now <laughs> as a new business owner. So mission and values, two very important things you have to do before you start getting into the nitty gritty of anything of the business. Yeah, it. I mean, it a little bit is tied to your elevator pitch. Yes. Like if you don't, if you can't clearly and succinctly communicate why you're doing something. Right. Then you're not ready. Yeah. To do it yet. Right. And it is, yeah, we'll talk about elevator pitches um, later when we get to like the business plan aspect. And I think if I remember correctly, Julia and I did an episode on elevator pitches, but I now I don't remember. <laughs> I have listened to every episode. I don't know if you have done an elevator okay. pitch All right. one. Then I should. We should. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll talk about it more when we get to the, the business plan part. But yeah, like your mission statement is different than your elevator pitch. But having both of those at the very beginning is so helpful because when someone asks, oh, what's your business? You can just kind of spit it out and explain it quickly and concisely without fumbling for words like I'm doing right now. <laughs> That's because it's hard. Finding the right words is very difficult. It is. And, you know, when you're talking about developing your mission, it's okay for your mission to be founded in you solving what used to be or is a personal pain point. Totally. I mean, that is as, you know, in its most simplistic form, somewhere you can start. Yeah. And so don't feel like when you are sitting down to write a mission for this business that you know, hasn't actually come to fruition yet, that it needs to be this grand, you know, statement. Right. It doesn't need to be. And I think that no, that's it can be very simple. Totally and, simple. You know, you're right, because so many small businesses start with the founder, the owner, trying to solve a personal pain point. And so when you have that and you know, okay, well, here's the problem. Here's what I want to solve. And here's why. It's easy. You got it done. Easy. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Who said starting a business was hard? No one. We don't even <laughs> need to do this podcast. Let's go. <laughs> um, so that's my spiel. Yeah. For so now. Let's talk about everyone's favorite. Market research. Market research. <laughs> this is something that I think people skip a lot. They totally skip it. And then they so try to go backwards and do it, and it's like, oh, don't get me started. I'll go off on a tangent. I, I will. <laughs> Sorry, I, I pressed a, I pressed a, a pain point. You did. You <laughs> did. Found it. <laughs> so, af- 
after you've done this self-evaluation and you have put up these guardrails with your mission and your values, the next step is really figuring out if your business is viable, Mm -hmm. right? A little important. (laughs) Just a tiny bit. (laughs) Unless you are someone who has the extreme luxury and privilege of doing shit for fun, Mm -hmm. which I hope to one day get to work Mm, for fun. Sure. That's what quote unquote retirement will look like for me. Okay. Um, (laughs) But unless you are that person, then you need to go through the process of confirming that this is actually going to be something that can support you and your family and your household. Right. But please know that even some really great ideas won't ever make money. Yeah. And that is just a part of the human experience in the world of business. Yeah. So don't, if you have this entrepreneurial inclination, don't be discouraged by one idea falling flat or not being the right fit. Right. Like you will have many ideas over the course of your lifetime. And so it really is about figuring out which is the one that has the highest chance of turning into something. Totally. So when you are starting your market research, I think one of the first places to start mm-hmm. is, has someone tried doing this before? Mm-hmm. And is there already someone out there who's doing it? Right. Because we don't like copycats. We don't like copycats. You don't want to be the copycat. Nope. You also don't want to be on the receiving end of a cease and desist letter. No. Nope. Because you've stepped on someone's business toes. Yeah. So save yourself the headache and make sure that you have scoured the internet in all of the incognito windows trying to find (laughs) not your regular browser window that has all of your search history cached. Um, The incognito window is best. Um, But yeah, really making sure that you are searching every possible combination of words that you can think of. I'm sure that you probably have some more scientific ways of... Well, checking business logs. Yes. I mean, you can search like the trademark registry and copyright registry and stuff like that. So you can, I always recommend people do that before they start a new business because you can see like, oh, is somebody already doing this? Um, Or if somebody already has a patent for your type of idea, like these are just things that you have to do online that you need to search. And um, like you said, the the keywords are are helpful to search for if you're starting a product based business and also service based business. But um, my biggest tip is always trademarks, copyrights, patents. Look at those. Yeah. Because how much would it suck to think you have this beautiful, brilliant idea and start getting it off the ground just to realize ah fuck, someone yeah. else already has it trademarked. Yeah. You can't do anything with it. And also, actually, your business name. Like when right. you are in the process of creating your legal entity. Mm-hmm. I remember I had to give the state of California three options mm-hmm. for my business name, just in case one. options one and two were already right. taken. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the other basic piece that you need to make sure is available to yeah. you is, hey, is the thing that I want to call my business mm-hmm. actually an option for me? Is it an option? I'm kind of going off a different way right now. That's cool. <laughs> but like, is it an option does someone else have something similar? And if they do, what's the SEO already built up around that name? Because I've seen people name their brand something. And I forget what it was the other day. I think I was looking for ritual vitamins. Oh, I, I love think. that brand. Do you? 
but I searched for ritual and all these other things came up. And um, it's just something to take into consideration that is something that we didn't used to have to take into consideration, but now we do. So before you'd fully decide on the name of something, and even if you've checked it to see if it's available, do a Google search and see like, okay, well, what is going to be my SEO competition here? Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to, are there too many things related to my business that are going to pop up in the search engine results as everybody else? Or am I kind of free and clear here? Yeah. So that's definitely where to start. Mm -hmm. Do the, do the Google time. And after you have done that little bit of research, the question that any investor would ever ask you is probably the first question is what's the addressable market? Yes. And if you don't quite understand what that means, it basically means how many people could potentially give you money. Right. And that question is a really hard one to answer. Well, and it's very valid. Like, (laughs) is there a market for what you want to make and what you want to sell? And you're right. Yeah, it's hard to answer that off the bat. But Yeah, especially if you are creating a new vertical. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. If you are venturing into uncharted territory, it's really difficult to figure out how many people actually would need your service or product. Yeah. But if you are trying to build a business in something that's more established, then you can look at, you know, other marketplaces Mm -hmm. or other online stores and things like that and kind of get a grip on how many people potentially could be customers of yours so maybe it's a hundred and maybe your business only needs a hundred customers to be successful Mm -hmm. maybe you need a quarter million monthly users for it to be viable but you just need to make sure that you understand what your addressable market is and what you need as a business owner to thrive right The next thing is product market fit. Mm. What's that? (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I don't know that I have like a business school book definition of it, (laughs) but product market fit to me is does the service or product that you offer, is it actually something that potential customers need? Right. I mean, it's, it's... not complicated. No, it's that not. question's not complicated. <laughs> but I guess product market fit sounds a lot smarter. It does. It's the technical term. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you are in these early stages of coming up with an idea for your business, your I think one of the challenges of a founder is realizing that your particular pain points, while they might be the best source of inspiration, mm-hmm might not be the best place to start when it comes to knowing with confidence what the product market fit is. Yeah. Because we all experience different challenges and frustrations Mm -hmm. in our lives and processes. So you cannot make the assumption that your problems are their problems. Right. Yeah. And it kind of falls into also figuring out your target market, you know, so once you kind of do that analysis and seeing, okay, well, is there even a market for this? And then kind of defining it a little more with a, going through with a fine tooth comb and 
getting out all those demographics that I like to look at and all the nerdy stuff that I'm sure you like to look at. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, this is a great point in time. If you have a sample size, Mm -hmm. a sample population, Mm -hmm. if you can, if you have the opportunity to put together an initial survey Mm -hmm. to get some feedback on the idea, you know, you can start chiseling away at, you know, the information you need to get as close to product market fit as mm-hmm. possible. I think it's not the norm to hit the nail on the head right out the gate. No, yeah. But as a business owner, you are in a constant state of flux and change mm-hmm. because you are constantly trying to make sure that you are pivoting and refining your business to right solve someone's problem. Right. Well, it's just like, you know, we've been going through this a lot with Glitter Guide where we're growing and evolving as humans, so we want the brand to evolve and grow with us, which might mean that our audience changes a little bit. You know, we might need to start targeting different age groups, different demographics. Like, it's just, it's an ever-living kind of document, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the initial products that we launched with Sourced... Mm-hmm are still like pretty close to what we're doing now, but they're Mm -hmm. definitely different because over the course of two years, we better understand what our customers need. Right. And so we have gotten better at creating a product that's closer to the fit. Yeah. It's still not perfect. It might not ever be perfect because everyone's always changing their goddamn minds. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yes, it it is a journey. And as long as you're ready to be on the ride then I think you're pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and okay, I have a question for you because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> question. Well, so, and this is something that I I talk a lot with friends and stuff, you know. It's, we're in a, a space now where it seems like there's no more original ideas, right? Like, it's very rare that you're going to come up with something that someone else isn't already doing or hasn't been invented, like if you're coming up with a new type of product, like, so what if someone's tried your idea before? Like, what advice would you give people for the existing competition? Like, finding if there's existing competition, I guess. Finding if there's existing competition? Should that deter you from starting your business? Or what should it, what does that kind of knowledge mean for you in the beginning stages? So I don't think that just because someone else has tried it or is doing it, I don't think that that's a hard stop Mm -hmm. on you continuing to move forward. As long as you have a very unique position, like brand Mm -hmm. position, or your team is made up of someone who, like, more legitimately understands mm-hmm. the business because there's there are some industries where outsiders are like, oh, we think we know what all of these people need, so let's yep. build it. Oh, well, yeah. There's I won't... a lot of those uh, in the podcast and business consultant world as well. <laughs> yeah, and there's, a, there's actually quite a few businesses like that in the wedding space mm-hmm. when it comes to the, the CRM and business management tools. Mm-hmm. Granted, they, they all developed great tools, but some of them were founded by people who planned their own wedding and then were like, oh, we understand why planning weddings is right. hard from a business perspective. It's like, no, you, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. 
So just because it exists out there, I don't think you need to move away from the idea. And there's a lot that you can learn from the competition. I mean, there are people who are venturing into the stock photography space that follow Sourced Mm -hmm. and like engage with us, Mm -hmm. which I think is so interesting. It is, yeah. But I know that they're doing their own market research and they're scoping the competition. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I have friends who have product-based companies, and they're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so bought my product. Like, I saw their order online, and then six months later, they have a very similar product. Like, it's not necessarily that you're ripping someone off, but you have an idea that's similar, and you want to do it, too. So you're seeing how the the competition does it. Yeah. And when it comes to business, I think that it's not always about doing something unique. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's about doing something different or sometimes better. better. Yeah. I that's a big one for me is like if you're going to start something that someone's already doing, you need to have a different point of view or just do it better. Because also when you're looking at the market, you know, and you're thinking, "Okay, here's the type of business I want to start. Say you want to start like a floral workshop business." Let's not just, a saturated market at all. No. Not <laughs> in the slightest and you look and you're doing your research and you see that like six of the biggest florists in your area aren't even able to sell out their workshops that means there's not enough market for you to do it so you've got to come up with something that's going to pivot you away from that so you can still do what you want to do but it's going to be differently positioned enough to where people are going to be like oh well this is cool like this is new you know Mm -hmm. just adding yourself to the pile of of saturated entrepreneurs <laughs> is, yeah. is not going to work. No, and I think that this piece of the conversation could go down the finding your niche, mm-hmm. niche, niche. Mm-hmm. I'm like the millionth person to ask publicly, is it niche or niche? I always say niche. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm fancy, so that's so why. so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that this is definitely a conversation that's tied to finding your niche totally so and that usually just means you're doing it for a I mean sometimes it's a very small addressable market Mm -hmm. but you can have a huge impact Mm -hmm. and that's okay or sometimes it's repositioning the problem right right like some businesses and brands are built on scare tactics yes I hate that Ugh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me is like, is that why I'm a quote-unquote bad marketer? Is because I don't scare people into using my products. How could you <sighs> scare people into using your product, though? Um, I'm like, your website's hideous. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. I'm with your you. website's not optimized. Your da-da-da. Yeah. I mean, I just, my brain doesn't even function that way. So, yeah. but there are some businesses that, and, and brands and individuals who are service providers who build their empires off of scaring people into using their services. Totally. So if that's the only option in the market, and you think that there is the space and need for someone to have these conversations in a from a positive perspective right by all means fucking go for it yeah yeah and I think if you truly believe that you can do something better than what's already existing out there go for it you know like I always like to say there's room at the table for everybody right like everybody should have the space to build a business that they want to pursue without the fear of just like 
failing because there's too many other people, but you also want to be realistic. And if you're, you're good at something, but you're not the best at something and someone out there is already the best at it, like you just kind of have to finagle it and find a different tactic and a different way to approach it. Yep. Which leads me to my last point Mm. is that you should be open to the thought that there might be different versions of your original idea Mm -hmm. that are actually more viable. Totally. And I think that like, I mean, how many businesses start out with their idea and then do that exact idea, right? It's not very many. No. I look at like um, Zappos. Oh, is yeah. always a, a reference I like to look at because they didn't intend to start out being a solely online-based shoe store, right? They were selling other things before and they were working with just local brick and mortars, but then they figured out, oh, well, here's what actually works best for me. So they pivoted, I love the word, even though I get like a, a friend's mental picture. Do you know oh, friends? yep, with the couch. Pivot! <laughs> <laughs> um... But they're able to pivot and and figure out what works best and how they can make it viable. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I just remembered, I, I binge listened to How I Built This. I mm. love that podcast. So good. And the story behind Slack mm. is mm-hmm. so interesting. Yes. So in the course of, to, to sum it all up for you guys, you can go listen to the, the, the mm. Slack episode yourself. But in the course of trying to build an empire in this in the video game world, mm-hmm. the founders of Slack failed at that. But they had they had coded this amazing internal communication tool. Hi, multi billion dollar yeah. business idea that they were sitting on and never thought they could monetize. So you really never know where your great idea is going to come from. Totally, and it might not. It's, it's likely not to be that first one that was, like, the spark of inspiration. Right. If it's the first one, you're a fucking genius. And you're... And please hire me. You're the exception. <laughs> you know everything. <laughs> you're the exception, not the rule. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that's a really good point. You know, like, during the whole ideation phase, you have to iron out the major details, obviously. Like, the groundwork of what it's going to be. But if the idea itself isn't something you're super passionate about or it's something there's not a market for or you're not the best at like you've got to brainstorm other ideas and you'll be surprised like what what sticks yep throw the spaghetti throw fistfuls of spaghetti spaghetti yep totally if that shit sticks yes (laughs) because if you sit there you just keep the spaghetti in your hand it's not gonna work no i love that story about slack because i mean i love slack and i've used it for as long as I can remember. And I, I talked to about Asana, you know, because I love Asana. <laughs> that was my Asana dance. You guys didn't see it. <laughs> that was just for me. That's yeah, special. That was just, special shows just for me. my podcast wife. <laughs> um, because, like, if you think about it, like, an internal instant messaging system is not revolutionary in the slightest. Like, I don't know about you, but I had AOL Instant Hell Messenger. yeah. <laughs> I loved my AOL Instant Messenger. And then I think we used Skype for a while, too, because you could chat using Skype. Mm. And um, But Slack, it's just like, it's not reinventing the wheel. They just positioned it differently, and they included things in it that made it desirable and easy to use, and they found their spot in the market. 
Yeah. That's a good example. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think um, finding an easier way to do something think, nowadays yeah. is almost one of the most important pieces of you know, formulating a business plan. Yes. If it is not ridiculously easy, yep. then it's so hard to get people to convert because we are all so time poor. Mm-hmm. So, well, and we're used to things becoming easier, right? Um, I think a good example of someone who's done that is Billy, the razor oh, company. Oh, I also use Billy razors. I do too. <laughs> and it's like, I... I was drawn to them initially because of their branding. Yep. And then also the fact that now it just shows up at my house every three months or whatever, and I don't have to do anything. It's not crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they should sponsor us. Thank you yeah. for this glowing review, Billy. But <laughs> it's something that they've made a problem we didn't know we had, which was, oh, shit, I'm out of razors. I got to go to Target and get some. So much that's just taken it off of our plate and made it easy, and I I love that. And I, yeah. so I think that you're you're absolutely right that if you're going to start something, you can't be making things harder for anybody. <laughs> like, no, it might be prettier your product, but if it's harder to use or harder to obtain, like nobody's going to be interested. Yeah. In it. So even if you are looking to build a service-based business mm-hmm. where, you know, you are a graphic designer providing graphic design services, this part becomes applicable to you when you talk about your process. Yeah. So you better have that process dialed because if in the process of trying to get what you need from your clients in order to render the service, if that mm-hmm. process is a shit show. Yeah. Like, you are not going to get a glowing review. You are not going to convert that previous client into a referring yeah. client. So, or a recurring client. Yeah, Because totally. they're like, oh, that process, you know, that was a lot. That was. Woof. But if you have someone who used your services and they're like, man, that thank you for making that painless and easy, like, they will come back time and time again, even if you cost more, I believe. Yep, yep. I know that Jillian and I are not the least expensive copywriting team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually think we're on the very expensive side of things. Uh-huh. But our clients literally don't have to do anything once they've like once we've gotten to a certain point. I have the information, and then a few weeks later, they get the product. So yeah. So if nothing else, you need to dial in your process, make your Make it easy for people to purchase your product, to mm-hmm. receive your product, to get in touch with you if they need help. Like, all of that needs to be easy, easy, easy. Yeah. We're just not in a day and age anymore where things can be required too much effort. No. Nope. <laughs> we are all, we all have no attention span Hello, and zero Amazon. patience. Hi. Yeah. One click buy. Done. Perfect example. Um, cool. Well, I think that is, we packed in a good amount of stuff there. Um, Like I said, we're going to have this be a series. If you guys at any point in time have like questions that you want us to address during this, like, I don't even know what we're going to call it, business 101, you know, something better than that. Mini MBA. (laughs) (laughs) We went to grad school, so you didn't have to. (laughs) Send us a DM or fill out, you know, the contact form on the website, prettyokpodcast.com. And we'll try to get to that too because I think we have a lot of good stuff that we're going to dive into and we're going to get super fucking nerdy and hopefully touch on 
any questions that anybody out there has. But anything specific comes up, holla at your girls. Yeah. <laughs> We're here. We're here. I will be back next week with a mini-sode. And then Taylor and I will be back the following week with the second part of our, our fun little series here. So follow us on Instagram at Pretty Okay Podcast. And if you haven't yet, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps get, get us bumped up so more people uh, know about the podcast. And we would love to spread the love. Right? Yes. And the knowledge. So much knowledge to be dropped. So much knowledge and love. (laughs) We're going to start singing our closing. Yep, that's what we're going to (laughs) do. Feel free to mute us now. (laughs) All right. I hope everybody has a fabulous week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.